Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry, CEO of OMG Commerce. And man, am I excited about today's episode. I love diving into entrepreneurial journeys, founder stories. And this one is fantastic because we're going to hear from a, a, an e-commerce entrepreneur who built a business kind of off of a whim, off of a crazy idea, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, discovered he had a really great business, built it, sold it, had a fantastic seven-figure exit. Now he's investing and consulting and doing other great things. This episode of the E-Commerce Evolution Podcast is brought to you by OMG Commerce Resources. That's right. Here at OMG Commerce, we want to help make sure you're educated and in the know to capitalize on the latest tips, tricks, and strategies to help you grow your e-commerce business. So if you go to omgcommerce.com and under resources, click on guides, we have some cutting edge free information for you on things like how to dominate with Amazon DSP ads or how to use Amazon sponsor brand video ads and how to craft the perfect ad. We have several guides on how to capitalize on YouTube ads from creating the perfect ad to knowing when you're ready to scale. Plus there's the newly updated Google shopping guide plus more. Check it all out at omgcommerce.com and click on guides under resources. And now back to the show. Uh, my guest today, is Chad McGilsey. And Chad and I met uh, a few months ago at Ryan Daniel Moran's Lake House. You probably, if you listen to the podcast a lot, you know I've now interviewed several people that I met at Ryan Daniel Moran's Lake House. But it was an awesome meeting. I was like, man, so many cool people that I need to get on the podcast, I need to connect with. And Chad was one of them. And so, Chad, with that that quick intro, man, welcome to the podcast. Thank Thanks you for, for taking the time. Me. And how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's... Uh, Brett and I met in in Austin. Um, we're both investors in in a fund there, and and you know advised some of the businesses in it. And Brett and I, you know, just kind of hit it off and said we were going to do a podcast episode someday. So here we are. Here we are. I think we were chatting at at Ryan's kitchen table, enjoying a keto brownie or some other you know uh, goodie from one of the brands that was there, and started chatting yeah. about investing and exits and. It was a ton of fun. So let's let's dive into the the origin story of your business, Chad. And uh, I love this story because it's it's you solving a, a problem that you had, or rather that your dogs had. Uh, but talk a little bit about that. What was the well? What, what's your background first, um, just real briefly, and then let's talk yeah. about the origin story of the business. So my background was was in real estate. I was a, a real estate um, agent for a number of years. I'm into real estate investing now. But at the time, I was a real estate agent. Um, Years ago, I read the the Tim Ferriss Four Hour Workweek book that probably awesome everybody book. who's listened to your podcast yep. has read. Um, yep. It's kind of the classic, and that that lit the fire under me that like I want to design my own lifestyle. I don't want to be on anybody else's time. You know, I, I want to just build something that that can provide the lifestyle I want to have. Um, hard to do that with real estate because you're kind of always on call. Um, so I, I started you're at, you're at the mercy, mercy of buyer and, buyer and seller, right? I mean, you got yeah. to cater to them. Yeah. It wasn't unusual for my phone to ring at like 10 PM on a Friday night. And, and, and I was, you know, not, I'm not, not I'm what not, you want. I'm to. not doing this long term. Yeah. Um, so started looking at, uh, different business models. I came across, um, you mentioned Ryan, Ryan Moran's podcast. There's another guy, Kevin Reiser, who had the private label podcast. You know, I, I came across their material and that, that kind of got me interested in that in that world. Um, I knew I wanted to create some sort of physical products brand um, in e-commerce. And I ended up 
creating a um, pet supplies company that is uh, or was based off of my two dogs. I have two French bulldogs. Their names are Brock and Beast, and they're adorable um, little monsters. But, uh, you know, dogs are gross, especially French Brock bulldogs. Brock and Beast. They, dogs are gross. There's so much yeah. fun with they're gross. So right, now these right. are, you said they're French bulldogs? French bulldogs, a little 20-pound, you know, pig bunny-looking French bulldogs. So, <laughs> How old are they now? Oh man, they're they're almost six now. So, wow. Okay. Yeah. So you you they grew up fast. Adorable as, dogs. Yeah. What's that? I said they grew up fast. Yeah. Exactly. So adorable dogs. Yeah. Uh, but you noticed a problem. These dogs had a bit of a problem that you needed to solve. What was it? Well, they had a lot of problems. The most obvious one <laughs> at first was just they have horrible breath. Um, <laughs> horrible breath. So that was uh, that led into actually my first product. Um, I, I had a you know, a list of, of 10 potential products. And, and that was the one that I wanted to do because there were other products on the market that um, addressed that problem. But the ingredients um, were things that I, I and, and many of the other customers out there weren't comfortable with. There's some that have like grain alcohol and, and, and stuff that, um, you know, you'll hear different opinions from different people, but there, there was enough concern that, that some of the ingredients sure. in existing products were, were dangerous to dogs. Likely um, not, not the cleanest ingredients, not the healthiest options for the, for the dog. Yeah. So I, I wanted to create something that had a, a different ingredient profile and, and um, was, would be healthier. Um, but then based around, you know, my life and my dogs, and I wanted products that I would use on, on my dogs. And, um, you know, so I created this brand that, that really uh, people who see their pets as part of their family really identified with. Um, you know, somebody that just you know, thinks a, a dog is, is just an animal and, and not, not a member of the family, they're, they're going to be turned off by that brand. But it, it really connected with, you know, people who, who truly see their pets as, um, you know, part of the family, as, as part of their, you know, as one of their kids or, or something like that. So it, uh, yeah, which totally makes sense because, you know, someone that's, that's likely getting close enough to their dog to smell their breath or to be concerned about how the breath smells. Like that, that dog is important to them. They're, the dog is in the house and on the couch and around oh, and yeah. stuff like that. For somebody where the dog is, you know, just some, something to be, you know, whatever, right. to, to tend to right. the farm or something like that. That dog's outside. Who cares what the dog's breath smells like? Yeah, so, my brand wouldn't have been for them. So, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we ended up with, um, you know, breath products. We ended up with anti-itch products, with shampoos, um, treats for anxiety for dogs and just, and, and cats too. I mean, most most of our, products were geared towards dogs, but, um, you know, 10% of our customers, you know, were, were people that had cats. So nice. Nice. So, so when did you kind of realize, Hey, this is a real business. So, I mean, you had the luxury of, you know, you had a successful career. If the e-com thing didn't work out, you would have been fine. Right. When did you realize that, man, I'm, I'm onto something here. Like that this product can really take off and, and could yeah. lead to a bigger business, not just a you know, single product. Yeah. So I, I, you know, kind of briefly mentioned this to you in our previous conversation, but when I started the business, I don't think I had the confidence to think, say this, okay, this is a million dollar plus idea. Um, I'll sell this in a couple of years and, and all that. I think it was just a, you know, a cash flowing side hustle at first, but um, I, I had a pretty successful launch, um, relatively speaking. Um, and it was a launch on Amazon and, exclusively or am, on and off Amazon? Um, started just on Amazon. Um, I think I, I got one of those like $29 Shopify sites just so I had yeah. 
something off Amazon, but you know, honestly, any sales of any meaningful amount were were on Amazon to start with. And we expanded to other platforms later, but yeah, the launch was mostly on Amazon. Um, I uh, had the goal of of getting to fifty thousand dollars a month in sales. That was my first goal, and at the time, you know, that seemed like a lofty goal. Um, but once once I hit that and was was going above it, I'm like, okay, well. You know, I want to get to $100,000 a month in sales. Um, then I really started thinking that I, I can sell this. Um, you know, as, as I'm sure your, all your listeners know, that that million-dollar run rate of $83,334 a month you know, equals a million dollars extrapolated over 12 months. Um, my first month when I hit that 83000 mark, I think, is when I really started thinking, okay, you know, I, I can probably sell this. The million-dollar business, yeah. Yeah, yeah. At, at that point, I... Uh, it was at a, a business conference. I think it, actually it was one of the capitalism conferences. Um, and Corin Woodmass, um, who is the FBA broker, was one of the speakers there. Um, and I grabbed him at the bar, ran into him at the bar after, and you know said, "Hey, I want to buy a beer and talk for a minute." And just kind of got got talking about the process of what it would look like to sell. And and he said something along the lines of, "You know, hey, you you just had your first." month where you cross that million dollar run rate, your business is not worth that much yet. You know, come back yeah. and talk to me, talk to me again in six months to a year. So we stayed in contact and, and you know, I grew the business. And at this point where you still just a single product or, and sorry to cut you off. No, no. You'd expanded. Okay. Yeah. I, I think, I think, um, once I crossed like 25,000 a month with, with the first product, I expanded to a second product, which was a, a shampoo and then nice. a third product, an anti-itch, um, Thing and then ended up with uh, six products total when, when I sold the company. Awesome, that's awesome. Yeah, very good. So, so, what were some of the things? Talk about some of the things that you you got right initially. You know, sometimes we just nail something either because of training or advice we get, or because we're, we just thought it through. Sometimes yeah. we get things right because of blind luck. Like there, there's a variety of things. Right. What, what, what did you get right uh, from the beginning? Um, I, I think. One of the biggest things that I got right from the beginning was spending some extra time on, on really getting a, a great brand um, as far as logo, packaging, um, stuff like that. You know, I, I know that's counter to some advice that you hear a lot of, hey, just get your product to market as quick as possible. But um, you know, a lot of my products came in these, these 8 or 16 ounce bottles and, and literally all all of my competitors at the time just had a standard white or clear bottle with a you know, four by six stick on label. And they, they didn't look very expensive or, or in my opinion, very high quality. So I, I had to, I had to talk to, you know, 20 different suppliers to get somebody that would do this. But I, I finally got somebody that did these full body shrink sleeve labels, you know, head to toe and, and, and they looked um, much more expensive even though they only cost a little bit more. So that was able yeah. to justify higher profit margins. I think there is a, um, especially products that, you know, your, your pet is ingesting like a, a you know, breath thing. They want to have confidence in the quality of it. Yes. And I think the, yeah. the, I don't know, the better you can make it look, the more perceived quality is there and the more comfortable a mm. customer is and, in, in um, you know, trusting you with, their pet's health. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was something that it, it took a little extra time um, to get to market, but I think that was um, definitely helpful to my long-term success. And that was... And, and I want to dive into that just a little bit because I think it's, it's super important. 
I think that that mindset of hey, just just you know, don't don't spend too much time on it. Just throw some packaging on there, sell it, and then and then iterate, right? So it's MVP, minimum viable product, then test, iterate, and go from there. I think that's that that's valid to a certain degree, but but here's where I believe you win on Amazon, and then in the greater e-commerce game, is with a good brand, right? A brand that people trust. That's where you can have a great exit, seven or eight figure exit, is with a brand. That's some brand equity that people trust and respect. And and yep. here's the thing. I, I think you want to take the time to really think about it and, you know, who is my buyer persona, what kind of yep. tone and feel, and what's my brand messaging. So you want to think about that. Don't just slap something up there. I think really those days of just sourcing some product and throwing up a crappy listing, I think those are kind yeah, of Yeah, that's long gone. Yeah, yeah. But, but I think to, to kind of free up a little bit, you don't have to spend so much time into it that, this will be your packaging forever, right? You're still going to test and iterate, and there'll be a yeah. V2 and a V3, but still try to get it right. Like, do, do, how do right. you make that good first impression? Think branding, think merchandising. Mm-hmm. How is this going to show up on the digital shelf? That's super duper important. The, the days are gone where you just throw any old thing up there and just you know expect yeah. it to sell because it's Amazon. Yeah, for sure. And especially you know with with e-commerce, it. it People see your your photo. That's the first thing they notice, and, and yeah. maybe review rating or, or something. But like you, you've got to try to visually stand out, and that's hard to do. Um, you know, if your if your product looks like all of your competitors. Yep. Um, any so any tips or advice there? Like any 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 resources that you read or consumed, or people you consulted with, or steps you took to really nail that brand and the packaging design? Yeah, I had. Um, I don't know, probably a dozen different concepts for what the brand would look like. Um, and I, you know, there's different services you can use to, to split test them. But I mean, to even create the the candidates in the first place, um, I used just 99 designs and I yeah. ran a few yeah. campaigns. That's great. 99, I mean, you get it, all it kinds is. of ideas from 99 designs. In the early days of OMG, not a, not our current logo, but but our but like one of our first logos, we used 99 designs and it was fantastic. And we got a ton of yeah. ideas and it really helped us kind of shape our thinking. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if anybody's listening does, doesn't know about 99designs, I mean, you just kind of tell them what you want and then different artists will compete for your business and you'll, you'll, um, you'll get 10 different um, possible logos or branding things. And then you can narrow that down to a few. Um, be like, okay, I, I like this one, but it's, it's not completely done, but I like where you're at. So I want to hire you as a graphic designer and let's make some tweaks beyond, beyond that. But um yeah, that I would definitely recommend um, getting other people's opinions. You know, you got to trust your own gut and you got to trust your vision. But um, yeah, get get ten different ideas and then ask your friends and family and your Facebook audience or whoever. Um, there's another thing like document the for anybody that's just getting started. I think it is very helpful to document the creation of your brand. Um, even even saying like, "Hey, I'm running this 99 designs campaign. Here's my." favorite three logos, you know, what do you guys think about this? Yeah. And, and yeah. really like and sharing that on social, right. And getting absolutely. some engagement and some buy-in there. Absolutely. Cause those, those people that, um, you know, give you their opinion on that may become your first buyers for your first yep. product launch. Um, they'll feel invested in your absolutely. New venture. Absolutely. And if you have a, um, you know, one kind of tactic you can do, if you have a, a Facebook group or, or something that you create and then run a poll, and, and say, okay, for our first product, we're going to go with one of these three designs. Um, you, everybody that votes gets a you know, 10% off coupon or something. And then you can follow up with them. And, and um, yes, yeah, so that can be your, um, your product launch. 
Yeah, I like it. I like it. Cool. So you got you got the branding and the package design right. What else did you get right from the beginning? Um, I think really narrowing down my audience, and it's it wasn't just people who have dogs. You know, narrowing down my audience was people whose pets are part of their family and also who are kind of charity minded people. Because one of the big things we did that I I really think was a pillar of the success of my brand was um, we had this right on all the bottles, kind of like an insert insert card, but literally on on the products. We said, hey, send in a photo of your pet with this product um, that you purchased, and we will donate a portion of the profit from your sale to a pet with cancer and reply back to you with a photo of the exact pet that your purchase helped. So I, I had a VA do that. And that, that is awesome. It, it made such a huge difference because literally like if you bought, a lot of uh, social sharing, I would assume. Oh yeah. Tons of, of user generated content and, and tons of loyal fans or customers or whatever you want to call them that loved our business and loved what we stood for. And, you know, it, it was, it was a legitimate thing and we donated tens of thousands of dollars and, and literally, you know, saved the lives of, multiple pets with cancer because a lot of people just didn't have the money to, right. you know, if your dog has cancer and, and you, you're not in a financial position to do something about it and you're like looking, okay, do I pay rent or do I help save my pet? Like that's a, a tough position. It's a tough that call. Unfortunately, yeah, it's a tough call. You got, you got to survive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people are in. So, um, you know, we, we did that. And, you know, if you bought one of the products, you, you'd literally get a photo of, of your pet. And there, there's this website called um, the Magic Bullet Fund. And it's like a GoFundMe for different pets that have cancer. So we donate to this specific pet and be like, you know, your dog buddy helped this dog, Ralph. Here's a photo yeah. of them together. And, and my VA would Man, put I that together. I love that. So, so I think a lot of people are going to hear that and think, oh, that's, that's a great idea. Like you're donating to charity. And I, I know uh, a few of our clients, they donate to 1% for the planet, right? Yeah. So a percentage yeah. of each uh, sale or percentage of the profit goes to 1% for the planet. Great charity. There's a lot, of, a lot of great things out there like that. Mm -hmm. What I love about what you're doing though, is you're making it, you're making it personal. It's not just this Absolutely. is going to help dogs with cancer, but right. this helped this dog with cancer. And here's a picture of your dog buddy and this uh -huh. dog, you know, that's the, the yeah. cancer, cancer patient. That, that's so powerful. So emotional and so personal. It, it was, and it, it, you know, it, it felt good too. It's like, yes, that helped my business. And, and I guess there's a, a selfish gain with that, but it really felt good to know, like it really did help a lot of other people's lives too. And you got to believe that like every, not every, but most people who get that photo back of their dog and, and the dog they helped, they post that on their social media. Absolutely. You know, they tag my company or my old, what used to be my company. Um, and it, it just created this, this continual momentum of people who loved our products, but, but loved what we stood for. And what yep. what good we were doing in the world, and I, and I love that. And I think you know sometimes we may be thinking, hey, let, let's kind of keep it on the down low, the charitable things we're doing. But I think making yeah. it more public and more visible actually uh, fosters the mindset of of other people being generous and other people sharing. And so getting that sharing going actually leads to more giving and more generosity. So and it, and it benefits the business. So it's a real win win. It does. And I think you should double down on it. And and that you know. Kind of, I think we briefly talked about this in, in Austin in person, but I, that was kind of a hard decision for me because I, I didn't want it to just be like a charity for show thing. Yeah, and I, and I think you and I talked. We have similar religious 
Christian backgrounds, and you know, I take yeah, that, yeah, yeah. You know, there's that Bible verse about don't don't let your left hand know what your right hand's like. Right don't be doing, don't yeah, be braggadocious yeah. with your right giving. Right, right. So I, I kind of think, okay, I'm going to take that perspective to my personal life, but in yeah. business, you know, I, I want to foster this idea of I want to encourage more capitalist companies to do more good in the world and do more charity yeah. work. And like, so I, I, I think in business that that is a good thing to promote. Um, so yeah. I didn't, I wrestled with that a little bit in the beginning, but I, I think that that's kind of the right way to go. Totally. Um, and I think if you look at like the, the heart and not, not to get on a quick theological discussion, but I think it's important. Like looking at that, I think if you look at the heart of it, it's more about don't yeah. be like boastful or, right. or don't, don't, don't be too high on yourself for, right. for being, Forgiving, but that doesn't mean you can't talk about it. It doesn't mean you can't. Yeah. And so I think I think yeah. this is a real balance of one of those things of, hey, I'm actually doing this because one, it's enriching the lives of my customers. Mm-hmm. Two, it's enriching the lives and actually helping other people. And then it's fostering generosity. So right. it to- totally makes sense. Yeah, I love it. Right. That's awesome. Cool. So we we love hearing those success stories. That's inspirational and fun. Yeah. But let's face it, we all like to hear about the failures, right? What did, what did you not get right, or what were those learning moments? Yeah. So anything you can share there? Mistakes, um, you tripped up, things you wish you had known. Well, so I mean, right off the bat, so my my company name changed in the first week because right off okay. the bat, I did not do enough research on the company name and okay. um, had my trademark listing, issues or something. Yeah, had my listing taken down. You know, literally like a few days into the launch, um, and you know that sucks. Um, and you know, I guess some people might be tempted to like give up at that point, you know, but it, it was pretty easy to fix. And I, I was back up and running, um, you know, 48 hours later and, and ended up having a successful launch. So that, but you know, make sure you truly do, um, all of the research on that. Cause you don't, you don't want to have to deal with that kind of stuff. You know, make sure you do all the trademark research, make sure you do more than just a basic search, um, which was my mistake. Um, so there's that also a, a kind of a longer term thing where I think I dropped the ball that I, you know, if I had a do over would have done this a lot better. Um, I did not, um, do a good job at keeping my audience engaged in the long term. Um, our first customer interactions were, were always super positive because they, they usually came from, from the, the charity stuff that we talked about. So people would send in a photo of their dog and, and all of that. So we, we had great first contact with our customers. Um, but I did not have a good email follow-up sequence built out or just, you know, a couple of emails a month that go out automatically. Uh, I just didn't do that. Um, I, I, looking back, I don't know why. I mean, you, you guess there's always an excuse, you know, I was busy, you're busy or whatever. Many other things, but yeah, yeah I mean, the reality was the highest return things you can do though. Yeah. yeah. So the reality was I, I was lazy and didn't get it done. Uh, and I should have. <laughs> Um, so, or I should have just hired somebody else to do it. It just, it sat on my to-do list, uh, literally for, for years until I, you know, I ran the company for two and a half years and sold it. That, that was on my to-do list the whole time and never got done. So, um, you know, I, I think I, I would have sold for a higher amount and, and would have had more recurring, uh, repeating buyers had I, had I done that. So I'd, I'd highly recommend, um, you want, once you to the point where you're making enough profit where you can. Uh, afford to have someone create those for you if you don't have time to do it yourself. Um, do that because I, I wish I would have. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Uh, so let's transition a little bit. I want to talk about the sales process because 
you know, we, we work with a lot of high growth brands. I mean, that's what we do at OMG Commerce. We're, we're accelerating the growth of brands that are already successful and yep. we're investing now. But you know, most people's goal is, hey, I'm, I'm building to sell, right? I'm building, building to sell and then I'll go start mm-hmm. the next thing or invest in something. Let's talk about how you approached the process of, of selling. Um, and I guess, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk about that first. How did you prep for sale? Um, well, I followed the guidance of, of the broker that I use, Corin nice. Woodmass. Um, great guy. Him and his wife, Leanne, um, worked together on it. So, um, and, what's, and what's the name of their, their company again? Another FBA uh, The, the FBA Broker. Yeah, yep. yeah. And I'm super happy with them. Would definitely recommend them. Um, so, yeah, what they had told me was, you know, optimize for profit at this point. You know, when you're when you're thinking you're going to sell in six months, that's not the time to experiment and try. Okay, let's 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 go advertise on Pinterest. Never done that before, yeah. but but yeah. let's give it a shot. You know that yep. that is when you're prepping for sale. It's not the time to throw things at a wall and see what sticks. It's it's right. the time to double down on what's working. You know, you're maximizing expenses. that multiple at that point, right? Let's get uh-huh. that base that that EBITDA as high as we can. Get for the, the, yeah, get the EBITDA as high as you can. So um, I I did that. Um, you know, doubled down on what was working. I, I did not launch um, additional products in in that last bit of time, and I, you know, I, I think that that was the right call. Um, I prepped three products where I had them sourced and actually had the first inventory order, and that used that as kind of a carrot with the buyers. Nice. Like, hey, okay, you're, you got, got your, your next three products ready. Right, wow. you got your next three products. Here's the first sample inventory order of I don't know, fifty bottles each or fifty units each. Um, so whoever's buying it can take that and, and run with it. I think that helped attract the buyers. You know, we got a few offers in the beginning, and and I think it was, you know, hey, we've got your next step planned out already. You don't need to worry about that. Um, so I, I think that was good. Um, I could have obviously um, continued to grow the company and 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 sold it for a higher multiple or a higher dollar amount at least. Um, However, you know, the timing of it was, was crazy because I, I sold it and literally two months later, COVID hits. And, um, you know, I, in the long run, that, that is a positive. A lot of e-commerce brands saw some, some substantial growth during COVID. But um, stress-wise, at least in the beginning, when, you know, just oh, everything man. is, yeah. yeah, you know. And the first um, couple of months of COVID, there was nobody was buying it. Like, nobody was doing yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah. All that got put on hold, so... Um, yeah, I, I, I'm happy when I sold, um, I'm sure I could have, you know, if I waited until now, could have sold and got more money, but, um, I'm, I'm happy with the timing of everything. And, um, you know, now I'm moving into investing and consulting and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, man, you but, did well. You had a seven-figure exit. You built a great brand. Like, it, Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's impossible to, like, nail the timing perfectly. Right. But you, but you did fantastic, so you got you to feel good about that. If you had to go through the process again, and then ideally you're probably going to build something and sell again, mm-hmm. what um, what would you do differently than you did maybe the in first the, In the sale process in or the in the building process? process? Sales process. Um, I would, uh, I mean, I don't need the money as much anymore having gone through a sale. So I think I, I would probably hold out for a, you know even better offer. Um, yeah, why not? You know, because it, it won't be under pressure to sell. Yeah, you know, there there is, I think people are realizing that buying a business is kind of a good spot to invest your money. 
a lot of times because because so much is uncertain right now. You know, it's it's tough to invest in uh, the stock market and real estate right now because you don't know what's going to happen and prices are going to happen. It's so, all out of your control. It is sitting on cash is tough because of inflation. Like yeah. That's not necessarily right. the best idea. Obviously, you want to have liquidity, but yeah. Right. So I, I think knowing that you can go into a negotiation as the price setter, not like a beggar, you know, yeah. and be like, well, hey, no, this is what I want. Um, I, I'm not going to be rude or anything, but I, I'm not going to entertain less than that. Sure. You know, I, I have a, I mean, I, if you do, I, you know, I have a quality business. This is in high demand. Um, yeah. You know, I'm. You got to have that level of confidence, and and that can um, probably get you an extra couple hundred thousand dollars if you're. Yeah, and you've got yeah. the you've got the freedom at this point, and mm-hmm. the confidence to say I can be patient. I can I can wait a little bit. Right? Yeah. I don't have to take the first deal. Right. And I think people can even be disciplined even with their first exit as well. But mm-hmm. it's much easier after you got some cash in the bank and you've had your right. first exit. It's, it's right. easier mentally to do that. Uh, let's talk about this. I know you're an investor now. Uh, you know you and I are in the same fund and, and having a lot of fun doing that. But you're also yeah. investing in real estate, and that totally makes sense because you've got a real estate background. Right. But can you talk a little bit about that? Because what's fascinating is you know when you when you sell a business, there's a big tax event, right? That's a taxable event. There's a big tax burden. It can be. But you were able to to kind of minimize that because of some real estate investing. So do you want to talk through a, a few of the details there? Yeah. Um, so I mean, we're we're filming this and. June of 2021. I mean, who knows what's going to change in tax law? There's a lot up in the air. But you know, I, yeah. I sold um, January of of 2020, um, and at that time, uh, and it's still true today, to the best of my knowledge, um, you can do what's called real estate bonus depreciation um, as an investor. And what that basically means is instead of a property depreciating over the course of a number of years, you can depreciate a large amount of it um, year one if you get a cost segregation study. Um, <clears throat> so if you buy properties financed, say you put 20% down um, and you get a cost segregation study done, um, a lot of times that will come in and allow you to have 25 to 30% of the not the money you put down, but of the purchase price of the property. So if you buy a million dollar property, put down $200,000, you might get a $300,000 tax credit. So that allows you to, uh, I mean, it's not eliminating your taxes, but defer them till later, greatly reduce it. Um, Even better than that is if you can find a good mobile home park um, deal. Uh, Mobile home parks can have, you know, 50 to 60% year one bonus depreciation. Um, so that can save you, uh, do the math on that, you know, that can save you a, a lot of money on, on taxes. Um, so I, I would highly recommend kind of uh, Tom Wheelwright is a good resource for um, tax, minimizing your taxes. Um, real estate, I think, is the, the number one way, at least that I know of, might be better things, um, you know, legal way to uh, minimize your taxes as much as possible. Um, but yeah, cost segregation studies and, and bonus depreciation are, are, are the key to minimizing your taxes when you have a, uh, a big exit. Yeah, so there's a lot of, uh, and I'm not a real estate expert by any means, looking at some different options right now, but, but there's uh, obviously, you know, real estate appreciates over time, right? And there, mm-hmm. and there are cash flow properties and there are different 
opportunities there. But the, I think the piece that a lot of people don't consider is the bonus depreciation aspect yeah. and minimizing your tax burden and, and just some of the tax strategies that right. that can really make real estate that much more attractive. So I think it's right. it's definitely worth looking at. Um, you know, for after sure. you've made an exit or if, or if you've got extra profits to invest. Yeah, real estate sure. should probably be you know something you consider. So right, uh, fantastic. Uh, any anything else you would mention? You know, learning uh, things you've learned or advice you would give to someone who is about to start the the process of selling a business. What 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 tips or advice would you give them? Um, well, so I, I guess at first I, I would say the foundational thing is is you can do it. Um, I don't mean this to to kind of minimize anybody else's challenges or anything, but a lot of people won't even try because they think it'll be too um, difficult or they think they don't have enough money to do it. Um, but there's there's so much training available to get you started um, that's you know for free on podcasts and, and YouTube, and then there's you know you can pay for better training once you at least started. Yep, um, yep. But I. I you know, I would say if you take six months or take take a year to learn some of this stuff, and if you can save five dollars a day, like you have enough money to get started over, let's say, a year and a half. You know, I I, I started my company with literally three thousand dollars. That's it, and then yeah. sold it for over a million. So it it can be done. Um, again, I I don't mean this to be demeaning. I mean this to be encouraging. But if you have access to the internet and have enough money to smoke cigarettes you can make a million dollar <laughs> yeah. business. Like honestly, yeah, it's, totally I, true. It, it's completely true. And I, I recognize that it sounds like bullshit, but it's, it's not, it's completely true. And I don't, 100%. I don't mean that to be, to talk down to anybody. I mean that to just encourage anyone who might think they, they can't do it um, or don't yeah. have the resources. Like you can smoke cigarettes and you have internet access. You can do it. <laughs> um, so I, I would say yeah. that, um, you know, beyond Smoking that, your way to millions. Oh wait, no, that's, <laughs> well, that's another business model. Um, so I, I would, uh, you know, I'd say that as an encouragement. Um, I, I would say that, um, you know, like we talked about, getting a good brand is is foundational. Like, don't don't take the shortcuts and just, um, um, you know, use one of the the softwares out there to say, okay, this product looks good on on yep. you know the demand versus competition thing because that that can change real quick because you know other yeah, people yeah, are also yeah. seeing that product and totally and um the competition can change very quickly so make yeah. sure you have a brand that people want to buy um they buy your brand they don't buy the commodity um you know your products obviously are important but your branding is i would say even more important because you, you need to have people invest in in that brand because they're yeah. they're the brands they buy kind of say something about them you know, people that yeah, bought my that, products. It exactly. was a that, that leads to a higher multiple. Like leads to it makes the the exit yeah. process better. You're you're, yeah. you're really trying to to build multiple products that that a, that a group of people can buy. So so yeah. then what kind of what about someone who's looking to sell their business? They've already got an established brand. They're selling. They're profitable. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give to them when they're getting ready to sell or considering selling? Well, I mean, kind of like, like we talked about, don't, don't experiment, don't waste money on things that are not proven, you know, double down on, on getting your profit margins up. Um, a lot of times, one thing I'd, I'd say to, to test, uh, a lot of people don't test raising their prices mm. and it's worth yes. a test. 
you know, I, I was afraid to, to do that for a while. And, and, you know, I had a product that was selling really well. I didn't want to rock the boat. Um, but I, I tested raising the price from, I think it was 15 bucks to 17 bucks. Um, I got a, not only an increase in profit, I, I actually got an increase in sales. Um, wow. So that, that doesn't, that's always, interesting. It is. Price is such a, uh, it's kind of an emotional thing. It's not as logical as most people think. Yeah. But there are emotional factors to why one price works and another price doesn't. But yeah. going from 15 to 17, so so doing quick math, that's like, what, a 12%, something like that, 12%, 15% increase? Mm -hmm. So not only are you making better margin, but you sold more once with a higher price. Right. And I, I think it, right. And I think it was because, um, you know, this was a product that was ingested by your dog and people perceive that more expensive prices are equals higher quality. Um, like you don't, if, if it's something that's for your health or for your pet's health, like you, you don't want the discount cheapest yeah. thing possible. Yeah. You want the quality right. thing and you're willing to pay yep. for it. Um, so I, I would say, and that's, that's not only true with, with, um, you know, ingestible products. Like I have a, a buddy who, um, you know, has a, a CrossFit, products company and he has like a weightlifting belt and his belt is more expensive than most of the other belts. And I think like somebody has like knockoffs of his that are, um, you know, much cheaper, but people want to buy his cause he has, it's a good brand first of all, but also, you know, it is perceived quality. Like you don't want to hurt yeah. your back, you know, doing yeah. with, with some crappy band. Yeah, yep, yep. Clean, clean and jerks. You got to keep, you got to keep the the back safe. And yeah, working out in CrossFit. Yeah, you you, usually it's a group. You're working at a gym. You don't want to look. You know, you, you're concerned a little bit about how you look as you're as you're working out. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, I just all that to say, test raising your prices. I mean, test it by a dollar. See how you do. Maybe test it by another dollar after that. Um, not always going to work. You know, I had one product that I tried it on that it, that it didn't work. It decreased sales and I, I went back. But more often than not, it, it worked. So a lot of people don't think to test that. I would say, I would say test that because you know, obviously the higher the profit margins, the more appealing your business is going to be to potential buyers. Um, yeah. When, when do you suggest someone potentially talk to a business broker? Is there, is there a, a time you would suggest doing that? Um, I mean, I'd have an initial conversation once you're, um, once you hit the first month of whatever your, your goal price is. So you, you get your first month, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars and you extrapolate that 12 months forward. I'd have that first conversation then, um, <laughs> knowing you're probably not going to sell yet, but a good broker. And, and I would recommend, you know, corn and land wood mask, but I'm sure there are other good ones as well. But a good broker will, will help give you advice. Um, there's some accounting stuff you've got to get in order. I had to, <clears throat> excuse me, I had to get an accountant to kind of redo my uh, books and get them more organized and, and um, all that before I was ready to really present all that data to potential buyers. Um, so yeah, I'd say it certainly doesn't hurt to have that conversation early and, and learn at least what you need to do um, in preparation. Um, and, and most business brokers are, are happy to do that. And I, and I hear mm -hmm. great things about the group you were just talking about, I know Ryan Moran speaks very highly of them and so do people mm -hmm. in the community. Uh, Quiet Light Brokerage, shout out to, to Joe 
Valleys and Brad and the gang there, they do a great job. But there's there's a, there's a number of great brokers. So I, I found that I think brokers do want to have those conversations early. They don't see that as a burden. Yeah. They see that as a, as a positive. So once you kind of hit that run rate that you maybe set as your target, have right. that conversation. And, right. and, and they'll, they'll guide you into some more specifics too and let you know what the current landscape is like and all of those all those yeah. important things. And if, if your listeners um, you know, haven't thought about selling yet, they might not know this, but businesses in, in our kind of e-commerce world are generally valued on the trailing 12 months of profit. So it's it's not like you can have a good three months and say, all right, I want to sell my business for a ton. You you want to stabilize, um, you know, at that uh, trailing twelve months. Ideally, you want to show growth, um, continual growth, but but don't have the growth be, um, you know, just top line. You want you need to show growth of, yeah. of profit. Um, yep. People are buying profit most in most cases. Yeah, I mean, they, they, and that's such a good thing to underscore. What is someone buying when they're buying a business? Yes, they're buying a brand. Yes, they're buying the products you have. They're buying your inventory, all that. Mm-hmm. But really, they're buying a multiple of your earnings, right? That, yeah. That's how businesses are valued, and that's what people are buying. They're buying that that cash flow. They're buying that profit because that does speak a lot to the potential. And, and so that's, that's what people are purchasing, so you got you to keep that in mind for sure. Yeah, um, what, I, I would recommend also, um, this, this really helps when you're, I mean, even before you're ready to sell, this is just helpful for running a business, but read the book Profit First. Because that will really, by Mike nice. Michalowicz, that really helps you kind of get organized. And, and there's even a, a course, uh, Profit First for e-commerce sellers. I'd, I'd read the book first and then take the course. But that really helps you increase your profits, see where you have unnecessary expenses and, and do something about it. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like an envelope system, um, but for modern day um, e-commerce brands. So I, I definitely recommend um, checking that out if you're, thinking in the next year or two, you might want to sell. Nice. Love it. Love it. That's awesome. Chad McGilsey, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Chad, this has been a ton of fun, man. You, you yeah, brought really the, the thunder, brought the value. So um, if people want to connect with you, if people want to say, hey, I'd love to chat with Chad, or can they yeah. connect with you on LinkedIn or on Facebook, or what's the best yeah. way? Either one of those would be fine, uh, Facebook or, or LinkedIn. You know, I'm just under Chad McGilsey on, on both. I'm sure you can put spelling my name in the, in the show notes, but, um, M-A-G-H-I-E-L-S-E. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I'd be happy to chat here and there. Um, I'm open to doing a, a little bit of, um, you know, one-on-one consulting. I, I don't want that to become a, my job, yeah. but, um, yeah. Yeah. I, I do miss, uh, kind of this world. Um, you know, Brett and I were, were talking, um, you know, we both invest in, in this fund that helps businesses grow. And I, when we met in Austin, I, I had a lot of fun getting to kind of, um, you know, give some advice to some of the, the younger companies. Um, and, and, you know, I've hosted a couple training calls since then. And yeah, I just, I, I miss that. So I, I'd be open to a, a little bit of consulting here and there. Just not, not much, you know, I don't want to yeah. become a full-time thing. I want it to be a, something that's fun. Exactly. And you're an investor and you're still a busy guy. You're doing a lot of things, but, but it is, it is fun. It is rewarding. I'm enjoying this stage too, where now we can invest in brands and consult and and share our resources and our network and our ideas. And then so you got got a lot to to bring to the table. There's a lot of cool ideas out there. A lot of, I'm really excited about a lot of the brands in that fund we invest in, but there's, there's, there's seemingly an endless supply of great ideas that just need a little, little help on some of the, 
It's so Things interesting. In There's a lot of founders out there with be- be- beautiful ideas. Either they're they're brilliant at product design or product formulation or something, and yeah. maybe they need marketing help, or maybe they need just funding, or maybe you know whatever. And so, right. yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun to be a part of that and, and yeah, to watch. For sure, for sure. So, sure. Awesome. Well, Chad, man, really appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time, and, and this was a ton appreciate of fun. Appreciate the invite. Thanks, Brett. Absolutely. As always, thank you for tuning in, and we'd love to hear back from you. So, hey, whatever your podcast. Uh, platform of choices, whether that's iTunes or something else, leave a review there if you feel so inclined. If we're delivering the value and entertaining and helping you, then leave that review. That means a lot to me and to my crew. Helps other people find the show as well. And so with that, until next time, thank you for listening. All right, man, that's a At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.